1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com.
1: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.
0: It's Monday, November 16th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. Reopening America. After some good news last week about Pfizer's vaccine candidate, everyone is looking toward the next steps, how to distribute it to the country. There's still plenty of time to work out the kinks, but many states are not ready to get it out, especially in rural areas. The Pfizer vaccine is unusually difficult to ship and store. It must be kept in super cold temperatures and has a short shelf life after being opened. The military will help ship the vaccine to states, but once they get it delivered, it's up to the states to distribute. Isaac Arnsdorf, reporter at ProPublica, joins us for the challenges states are facing in distributing the leading vaccine candidate. Thanks for joining us, Isaac. Thanks for having me. wanted to talk about some more vaccine news. We got news from Pfizer, some really good news that their vaccine candidate is 90% effective in the people that were involved in their clinical trials. So right away that gets everybody excited for it possibly getting approved pretty soon. But then comes the extremely difficult part is distributing it across the country. And there at ProPublica, you guys got a bunch of preliminary plans from pretty much every state in the country. And these distribution plans kind of reveal that they don't really know how they're going to deal with a lot of the difficulties of storage and transportation requirements, specifically with Pfizer's vaccine candidate. Tell us about all the information that you got. And then with regards to Pfizer, just because we know about them the most right now, how difficult it is to ship and store theirs. They have so many different things that go into it.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. So this Pfizer vaccine that just had these very impressive initial results and is likely to be first out of the gate is unusually difficult to handle. And what I mean by that is a few things. So it's two doses that are 28 days apart and it has to be kept very, very cold. 100 degrees Fahrenheit below zero. And it comes in these boxes of a minimum of 1,000 doses. And once you open it, you have to use it within a few days. So that creates... Some real logistical challenges. You know, it's it's one thing if you think about like a kind of a mass vaccination site where you're going to have a lot of people in a densely populated place coming through and using that up. But when you start to think about more rural and remote places that probably don't have the equipment to keep the vaccine at that low temperature and don't have enough people to use up the vaccine in that amount of time, that's really a curveball that states are struggling with how to deal with.
0: I want to just kind of go off a little bit more on the difficulties because you had this part in the article that, I mean, when I was reading through it, my jaw dropped a little bit. So they're going to be shipped, as you said, in packages, minimum of a thousand doses with dry ice, right? So that ice can be replenished up to three times but once it's opened, it can keep the vaccine for five days. You can't open it more than twice a day and that it can survive in a refrigerator for about five days, but can't be refrozen if unused. So, I mean, <laughs> just going through that makes me think that we're going to probably lose a lot of these vaccines in transit and in improper storage. So looking into the plans of various states, what did you guys found out uh, about their preparedness for this?
2: Well that's something that nobody wants to happen for sure especially at the beginning when there's going to be a limited supply of vaccines they definitely don't want any to go to waste and but they're balancing that against you know they they they've identified who to prioritize so first they want healthcare workers to be first in line and then they're looking at other essential workers and people who are most at risk for Serious disease. But you could certainly imagine, and some of the state's plans contemplate that there could be situations where they run out of people who meet the initial eligibility criteria, but they don't want any of the vaccine to spoil. So then they end up opening it up to people who might otherwise be in a lower priority category but that's one of these really you know a number of states were pointing out like gee you know if if we have this pfizer vaccine but then we have one of the other vaccines that's easier to handle we would love to just use the pfizer vaccine in some places and then use the other vaccine in more rural places but we don't know that that's how it's going to turn out that there are going to be multiple available especially at the beginning
0: one of the other things about this uh, obviously we've heard a lot about operation warp speed There's been a little bit of muddying of the message. I think the president and others have said that the military is going to distribute all of the vaccines. It's not technically true. Feds are going to distribute the vaccines to the states. And then beyond that, it's for the states to distribute them across the state to these hospitals and to all the people that need it first. So tell me how that coordination works out.
2: Yeah, that's right. This is not a military operation. It is not going to be uniformed troops carrying the vaccine from the factory to the doctor's office. What it really is, is it's modeled off of the way that the CDC and state health authorities distribute the flu vaccine every year. But obviously, this is a a much larger scale and is much more complicated for a bunch of other reasons. So the the military was involved in the advanced logistical planning and manufacturing supply chain side. But once it gets to the actual distribution, you're right, the federal government's going to deliver it to the states and then the states have to figure it out from there. Um, And that's Another problem that they're dealing with with this Pfizer vaccine and these very large shipment sizes is the federal government is only going to move it once. And so if the state determines, you know, we can't we can't deal with this one thousand dose carton. We need to break that up so we can send it to smaller places. Then the state's got to handle that on its own, which is obviously like physically difficult, but also expensive. And the federal government's not going to pay for that. The state has to figure out how to pay for that. And right now, the states have only gotten $200 million for this entire vaccine distribution enterprise when the CDC director says it's really going to cost like $6 billion. Wow.
0: And as you mentioned, you know, the rural communities are obviously offering the greatest challenge to all of this. You had a specific example, of Mount Vernon Countryside Manor, I guess, which is a a nursing home in southern Illinois. That's more than 100 miles away from the nearest major city. And those are the first vulnerable populations that we need to vaccinate, the healthcare workers there and then the patients themselves. So these are the types of real intricate details that need to be figured out so that the vaccine gets there safely without going to waste.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. A, a lot of rural areas are unfortunately where we're seeing the biggest spikes in cases right now. And, you know, one that sticks out in my mind is North Dakota, obviously not a huge population state, but terrible coronavirus outbreak there currently, one in almost twelve hundred people in North Dakota has died of COVID and their state did a really good job with their plan in terms of having it's really thorough is really detailed and it, and you could see them grappling with all the really difficult things that North Dakota is gonna have with distribution there because of how spread out it is how, how sparsely populated it is the weather they have a lot of migrant workers who don't live in the state but but are, are there temporarily for the oil industry so uh, you know, they addressed all of these things and they, and they did a really good job, but they just don't have answers to how all of that's going to work out. Yet.
0: Yeah. And that's part of the thing you mentioned in your article, too, is all the changing factors, you know, and new information mm-hmm. that we get constantly changes those plans as well. So it's a moving target that you're really trying to hit there. You, you as I mentioned, you know, you guys obtained the preliminary plans for 47 states. Were there any states in particular that seemed really prepared to handle this very well?
2: Yeah, to varying degrees. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I can't really say that anyone has an, has an answer to the logistical challenge of the Pfizer vaccine in rural areas. Some states, like I remember Massachusetts said that they, even though the CDC said, don't worry about buying that ultra cold freezers to deal with a Pfizer vaccine. Massachusetts said, you know, what, we're, we're going to do that anyway. And there were some other states that were kind of lining up their dry ice vendors, also, um, think about Maryland, which I'm a, maybe a little bit partial to because it's where I'm from, but they did a, like a really thorough analysis of their critical populations in terms of how many people are in each category and where they are, whereas some um, other states like Texas just looked at the, they kind of listed the data source that they're going to use to find that information, but they haven't done the analysis yet. And I thought there were some, there are some also some other interesting choices you can see, like Maryland is putting a priority on populations in jails and prisons where there have been a lot of really serious COVID outbreaks, whereas some other states are scheduling them for later on. And I'm also thinking about states like Georgia that are kind of their plan kind of pushed a lot of the responsibility off to local county jurisdictions rather than deciding things at the state level like other states did.
0: Well, it's, I mean, really interesting to see how things develop. We've really seen everything from vaccine development and we're witnessing it all in real time, right? Vaccine development to vaccine distribution when we finally get there. I mean, it's very interesting to follow. So we'll keep an eye on all of that. Isaac Arnsdorf, reporter at ProPublica. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. This is
2: Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride.
1: any disease.
3: Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus?